Well, it is so good to be together with you and for those online. We're so grateful to be together with you as well. Uh, Westside, there are some guests that are here with us. And before we welcome them together, uh, I just want to let our guests know that, hey, I remind you of what Joe said earlier. There's a Connect card located in the seat back of that chair in front of you. Uh, fill that out. And before you leave today, take it to the info or the welcome table at the back of the room. We have a gift for you. And I tell our guests this every week. It's really a bribe. And I'll just tell you what it is. We want you to come back because we want to be a, a family together with you. We want to come alongside of you and help you live this life that uh, we all have to share. And so, hey, Westside, now let's welcome those that are watching online and all of our guests. Will you do that with me? Yeah. So grateful you're here. Thank you. So we've been in this series called Given For, where we're looking at what we're for, because what you're for is so important, because who you are will determine what you're for. And we've been talking about that who you, uh, what you're for will determine who you are. It's a, it's a, a little way of, we both seen both ends of this. And today, we, I want us just to recognize something, that it's so important for the church to know who we are and to know what we're for. And it's so important for us as a church, not just to know what we're for, but to stand up for what we are for. In a day and age where culture is standing up for what they're for, it's time for the church to stand up for what we are for. Because what you're for, it's gonna shape how you think, it's gonna shape how you live, it's gonna shape how you speak and how and everything you do. It's gonna shape and influence uh, where you give and invest your time. It's gonna spend, it's gonna influence where you spend your energy and where you spend your resources. And as Christians, we need to realize something. We're not for the same things culture is for. We need to understand that we are not for the same things culture is for. And we see this because we see ourselves differently than the way culture sees themselves. As people who have followed Jesus, we see ourselves differently. And our identity, we see our identity as something different than the way culture teaches their identity. And we need to understand this because this shapes who we are. (laughs) And it shapes what we are for. And this is the serious big idea that we've been looking at. And this is really our identity. And our identity shapes what we're for. See, we are forgiven. This is the serious big idea. We are forgiven. And because we're forgiven, we can be given for Jesus, for his church, and for our cities. So if you were to ask me or ask what people, I believe in the first century, said, what, what are you for? And what do we, the church, need to be for? We need to be primarily for Jesus. We need to be for our families. We need to be for the church family, the church. And we need to be for the lost, the last, and the least. This is what we are for. And this is who we are, see ourselves as. And because we see ourselves as forgiven, because Jesus is for us. We see ourselves because Jesus is for us. We can be given first for him. And, because, and that means to be given for Jesus. It means to be given for each other, the church. And last week we saw how we are given for the church. Last week we saw that our purpose is in this right here, that that our purpose is who Jesus made us to be and our purpose is in what his purpose is for our life. See, our purpose is to become like Jesus. Last week we identified this as our universal calling and our purpose is not just to become like Jesus, our universal calling. It's also to use our gifts to be a gift to the church, which is our unique calling and to fulfill God's purposes. Every one of us, every human being was created in the image of God. 
But sin, humanity's sin, our selfish sin has broken that image of God in all of us. And we all share this universal calling, every human being, you and I included, not just the church, but God has made every person in the image of God. And because sin has broken this image of God, our purpose is to be restored into the image of God. This is why we follow Jesus. Yes, we live in a broken world, in the brokenness of life, and we ourselves are broken by, and have the image of God broken in us. But Jesus came to restore that image in each and every one of us. He does this through the life that he lived, his death that he died, and the resurrection to give him all authority to give life and restore the image and bring life to all who trust in him. See, when we trust in Jesus and what he's done for us, our identity is restored and we now have a new purpose. We don't live for our selfish purposes anymore. We live for his purpose and God's purpose is for you to become like Jesus, to restore the image of God in you and it looks like Jesus. And your purpose is a unique purpose. Not just this universal one that we all share, but it's uniquely given so you and I can use our gifts. We can see the gifts that God has given us and the role that we have to fulfill God's mission, to be a, have a role in the church and fulfill God's mission. And this is what we talked about last week. Again, I tell you this, hey, if you miss a week, you miss a lot. So if you missed last week, go back and catch up. And in this week today, we're gonna talk about how we can, can join together and fulfill this unique calling that God has given each and every one, a mission. It's it, to fulfill the mission that God's given to church. This is a mission that God gave to the disciples to, that has become our mission. Jesus gave this to the disciples after he came back to life. And then after he came back to life, Matthew records these words in Matthew chapter 28. He says this, all authority has been in heaven and earth. He's, he identifies all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, and you gotta know what this is there for because he has authority, because he is God over all. He says, therefore, go. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Can I tell you something that's a miracle and a, a remarkable? Is you sit in this very room because people have owned this mission since Jesus gave it. Think about it. You sit here today listening to this, understanding what Jesus has done for you because people, these disciples took this mission and owned it as their mandate. And we have this mission as our commission too. This is what the disciples did and this is what we need to do. See the disciples, they took Jesus seriously. They, they submitted to Jesus' authority. They recognized he was Lord, authority over all. They submitted to his authority. They went, they, they, they took that command to go and they went. They made disciples. They taught people. They invited people to follow Jesus and, and shared the good news of Jesus. So, and they invited them into a relationship with Jesus. Then they baptized those who trusted in Jesus. And they didn't just leave them. They began to teach them. They began to equip them and teach them how to follow Jesus. And they trusted that Jesus was with them every day. And he was with them. Because Jesus said, I'm gonna give you my spirit. My spirit's gonna be with you. The Holy Spirit's gonna be with you. And God has never left us because this Holy Spirit has always been with us. See, the disciples, they followed Jesus and they led others to do the same. 
They followed Jesus and they led others to do the same and you sit here today because they did this. And generations from now, we'll sit somewhere in a group setting because we will join them in doing the same. See, following Jesus and leading others to follow him, that's discipleship. This is what we are for because we're for Jesus and we're for the church. Now, the apostle Peter, he would talk about discipleship. In fact, he took this seriously. The apostle Peter took this command seriously and he would write letters to teach them what it means to follow Jesus. And at the end of his second letter that we have self-titled, First Peter, or Second Peter, it's the second one, Casey. It's Second Peter. And in this letter, he ends it. And I believe the way he ends it puts the target on what it means to be for Jesus and for the church, what it means to live a life of discipleship. And I believe this passage of scripture is, is Peter putting the, the win for what it means to follow Jesus for all of us. And then he, he says this, but grow in the grace and knowledge. I want you to circle those two words. Circle the word grace, and I want you to circle the word knowledge. This is what we grow. We grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then Peter says to him, not to you, not to Peter, not to the church. He goes, to him be glory, to Jesus be glory, both now and forever. And he ends this amen, meaning so be it. Let this echo through every generation and every Christ follower. Let this be our mandate, to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is what it means to be a disciple, growing in the grace of Jesus, receiving his grace in our life, and knowing Jesus as our Lord, that he is a Lord that is an authority in our life and over all life. He is our supreme authority. And this is what it means to to be a disciple. And this growth, we have to grow in these things, and this growth happens in the environment of community. Notice that Peter says, grow in the grace and knowledge of your Savior. No, he says of our. This is collective. He's talking to the church. We can't grow alone. You cannot grow alone. You can't grow in the grace and knowing the grace of God without being in community with others. You can't grow in making Jesus your Lord without being in community with one another. Growth happens in community. This is how you're going to grow in your universal calling to become like Jesus. And this is how you're going to grow in that unique calling, developing your role and your gifts, which we're going to talk about today. It happens in community. See, this is discipleship. Discipleship is following Jesus together in community. So what? So that we grow. We follow Jesus together in community to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus as Savior and Lord. You can't be a disciple and be absent in community. See, we have to have a community with whom we follow Jesus together. When you receive Jesus as Savior, you're going to grow in knowing his grace. And you need to be around people that, that exercise that grace to you and give you a, a, that, that, a, that place of grace. And they, they show you that grace. And you need to be in a community to where you can exercise and grow in the grace that you've received and you can give it to other people. But we also have to grow in knowing who Jesus is as Lord. 
See, it's not just all grace. It's following Jesus and his truth that he teaches and falling in a line and submitting to that authority. We need people to speak into our lives, to help us make Jesus Lord, to help bring us into that. And we need to be in other people's lives to help them follow Jesus, not just as Savior and grow in his grace, but understand him as Lord as he is one that we follow. See, he is not just a Lord, not just a teacher, I'm sorry, that's good. He is a Lord to follow. The Apostle Paul, along with Peter, took this command seriously. And the Apostle Paul took this command that he was, that he was given, that the disciples taught the Apostle Paul. And Apostle Paul, he had planted churches all over that area. And he would plant churches. He was an apostle who planted disciple-making movements. And look how he teaches the church to follow Jesus. Listen to this. When he writes to the church in Ephesus, we looked at this a little bit last week, and how he teaches them to exercise um, this he says he says this so christ gave himself the apostles the prophets the evangelists and the pastors and teachers and last week we called this apest and so we put this acronym so to help us remember apostles prophets evangelists now you saw pastors we have inserted shepherds to distinguish the two p's and teachers and last week we read in Ephesians 4, verses 7 and 8, how in, prior to this, Jesus said he ascended, Paul said Jesus ascended to heaven and then gave gifts to the people, gave roles to the people as gifts to be a, for a purpose. And here's the purpose, to equip, he goes on, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be, look at this, built up, circle that, built up. See, your unique calling is to build up the body of Christ, not tear it down. Your unique calling is to build up the body. Anytime, I want to just give you a warning. Anytime we tear down the body and the bride of Christ, you're against Jesus. I say this sincerely. I say this as one who has been guilty of this in the past. As soon as we begin to tear down a part of the body of Christ, we're tearing down the bride and the body of Christ himself. We're not to use our gifts to tear down. We're to use our gifts to build up, to grow one another until we reach, Paul says. Unity, all reach unity. In the, and I want you to circle this faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the full measure, the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, to the complete measure of the completeness of Christ. This is the, what Paul teaches. Now, I don't know if you caught this, but I want to point this out. Do you see the similarity in what Paul says and his direction and what Peter says? See, Peter said, grow in the grace and knowledge. Paul says, build, be built up. We're to be built up in this unity that we all be built up in the faith and knowledge of, our save, of Jesus Christ. See, Paul would teach that faith is by grace alone. Both of these echo the same sentence sentiment that we need to build one another's up one another up we need to grow together in the faith in faith or in the grace and knowledge of jesus our savior and lord this is discipleship this is our calling and it's how we experience the full measure paul says the full measure of a god who wants to be fully invested in you so discipleship is our mission and our method that we use to experience the full measure of God. It's how you grow 
in your faith. It's how you grow in your character to become like Jesus. And discipleship is how you use your your unique gifts to help others, to be a gift to others, to help them grow, to build up the church to, by helping others grow in their faith and then growing in their, the grace and knowledge of Jesus as their Savior and Lord. See, it's how we grow and it's how we help others grow. This is the mission we share together and the method we follow. This is discipleship. This is what you were made for, this right here. This right here is what we share and that we are to be given for. And this is why I love and we love our mission statement here at Westside, that we share this together, that we are a family on mission together, loving Jesus, becoming like Jesus and sharing Jesus. Why? We're the body of Christ. We are family and we are here together with one purpose. We love Jesus. And the reason we love Jesus is because he first loved us. How do we love Jesus? We show up for one another. See, we love Jesus by gathering together to love one another. This is how we're going to love Jesus. How are we going to become like Jesus? Well, we're going to open the scripture to navigate scripture and follow Jesus together because he's our Lord. We're going to grow in our character. We're going to grow in following him, submitting our lives to him, his will and his purpose for our life. So the kingdom of God not just comes in us, but through us, and we're gonna share Jesus. And how are we gonna share Jesus? Well, first, we're gonna share Jesus with each other by praying with one another (laughs) and caring for one another. And we're gonna share Jesus by being on mission together to bless the lost, the last, and the least. I want you to know something. See, Jesus uses the body of Christ to equip you to follow Jesus. This is why community is so important because Jesus is gonna use the body of Christ. He's gonna use the church to equip you to follow Jesus. And see, you need the church in your life. You need the church in your life to equip you to follow Jesus. You just can't lean on me or whoever's teaching on a Sunday or that daily, that, that just that unique quiet time. That's important, but you can't rely on that alone to be a disciple. Discipleship happens in relationships with one another. It's our relationship with God connected with all the relationships with each other. We can't grow alone. We cannot grow alone. We can't grow in receiving God's grace without a community that'll show us God's grace. And we can't grow in knowing Jesus as Lord without a community around us with whom we can put Jesus' teachings into practice. See, we need the body of Christ to grow. And we have to be in community with one another to be fully equipped, to be fully mature, and fully attain the full measure of Christ. See, we can't grow alone. Also, Jesus uses you to equip others to follow Jesus. He's gonna use you to equip others to follow Jesus. He's called you to equip others to follow Jesus and lead them to grow in the grace. See, you're going to take them and what you've learned, you're gonna teach others and you're gonna help create an environment where they grow, are built up in their faith and knowledge of Jesus as Lord and Savior so that they can become mature. So the teaching big idea that I hope that you leave with today is this. It's an I will statement. It's one that I don't want you just to intellectually come to. I want you to put in action that you will be a disciple using your gifts to equip the others to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus as Savior and Lord.
that you will be a disciple. That's what it first means, that you first will be a disciple, that first you will be leading yourself, allowing yourself to be led by others, that you're going to personally grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that you're going to grow in your universal calling. You're gonna allow him to make you more like you, and you're gonna allow the community to help you become more like Jesus. You're going to let others influence you and be in a community that can lead you. You're gonna be a disciple. And then not only do we need to grow and be a disciple, we need to be in others' lives to invest in them so they can be disciples, growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus as Savior and Lord. We need to help lead each other. And so how do we do this? Well, it's our universal and our unique calling. Universal calling, we need others to help us grow in our universal calling. And we need to deploy our unique calling to help others grow in their relationship with Jesus. So this is what we need to do. I hope you will discover your gift in the apest. I hope you discover your gift in the apest. What that apest is, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher. What Paul talks about in 11 verse 12, when Jesus, he said earlier, he gave these roles as gifts to the church. I want you to discover your gift in this role that we share in our, universe, in our unique calling. See, our universal and unique callings combine to make an impact in the church and to be used to fulfill the mission God has given us, a mission to make disciples. And that purpose is to the end that we build each other up so we can fulfill this mission. In their book, Starfish in the Spirit, Rob Wagner and Lance Ford do a great job of condensing what these roles are to a couple words. And I want to just give them to you so you can understand. And this is what I want you to do. Which one do you resonate most with? On the right side, there is a, a box. And I want you to just think about this. Write down the one that resonates most with you. So here's the apostle. The apostle sins and extends. This is what the apostle does. The apostle sins and extends. This is what apostle really means. Sent one. We have missionaries to outside cultures and, and church planters who are apostles who extend the kingdom of God. I am so grateful that this has been part of my role in the kingdom of God, that God has used this role in my life to start churches and be a missionary that's part of my story and, and also to plant a church here and, and be used with others to plant a church here. See, apostles multiply disciple-making movements. They start disciple-making movements. They, maybe you're someone with an entrepreneurial spirit that has this desire to start disciple-making movements. We need you. We need you to see cultures and cul-de-sacs as opportunities to make disciples. These are the people who see these unreached cultures in our community, not just overseas, but here. And you're raised up, and, and maybe you feel the call to church planting or be a missionary to a unique group of people. I want to implore you, rise up. The church needs you to extend the kingdom of God. We need you to see places where we can mobilize to make disciples who make disciples. The prophets. The prophets question, critique, and calls people to be faithful to God. Prophets are the ones who call out sin and yet lovingly call for repentance. They're the ones who call people to truth with grace. Now, being a prophet doesn't give you permission to be this guy. Had to wait for it. See, it's not a, 
it's not permission to be a jerk. See, what a prophet, you have a unique role. See, it's not a pass to be a jerk. Prophets challenge, though. They challenge God's people to be loyal to Scripture and to follow Jesus. You're the Bereans. You're the Bereans who are making sure that our teachings are lining up with Scripture. May, you're the ones who see the world through black and white lenses that, that you can see Scripture and, and can see clearly this is what we need to be doing. And you're calling people to be faithful to God. We need you. We need you to lovingly rise up and question. We need you to lovingly critique, not be cynical. There's a difference between cynical and critical. We need you to critique, and we need you to lovingly call us to be faithful to a God so we can honor him. Next is the evangelist. The evangelist invites and gathers. I love the evangelist. I love those that I see who are evangelists. Your love for people and your desire for people to respond to the gospel is a great influence in our local church body. You're the people whose hearts break for the lost. You see the unreached. You see those outside who are far from God, and you want to make sure there's always a, a, a seat at the, in the room for them, whether it's in your group or here on Sunday. You always want to make sure that the environment's right for them. I love you. The church needs you. You're a voice to the hopeless. You're a voice to the confused to share with them the clarity of the good news of Jesus. These are the people who are innovating and pioneering new ideas to serve our community so we can build relations with the lost and we can share the gospel of Jesus with them. We need you to rise up and share your ideas. We need you to rise up and lead the initiatives to reach those who are far from God and, and invite them, invite them into community. We need you to open your home and invite them to be around the Jesus-centered community that you host or you're a part of. We need you to rise up and invite and gather. The shepherds, next. The shepherd protects and the shepherd provides. The shepherds protect and provide. You're the ones who provide care to the body of Christ. Did you know it's not just the, 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 the leadership up here to do it? This is your responsibility. To, we need, we're supposed to equip one another. And we need you. My APES, just so you know, just so you guys know, I, hadn't, I didn't say this in the earlier service. My APES is not naturally bent this way. I'm not a natural shepherd. My, I, I'd have to do the work of the shepherd. I have to work hard to shepherd our, our flock that we have. But I'm a teacher, an apostle, and an evangelist in my, my gift set. But I, we need you. We need the shepherds of the church to rise up to care for one another. We need you to rally provision for those who are in need. We need you to nurture the ones who are hurting. We need you to recognize who's not here. And you're the one to make the phone call. You're the one to say, hey, we missed you. Are you okay? We need the shepherds here that we need you to equip us to be whole. And, and healthy. That's why we need you. We need you to guide, to provide, to protect. And we need you to also to join those prophets in correcting us gently and, and bringing that correction. And when it's hard, you come in and you bring us in because you know that we need that for the health, to be healthy in our relationship with Jesus. The teachers explain and organize. That's what a teacher does. A teacher explains and organizes. And they organize truth to make it practically clear. See, see, teachers have wisdom and understanding of the scriptures. They, they can clearly communicate the deep spiritual truths in accessible yet practical ways. Teachers make known the revelation of God to lead people to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus as Savior. And Lord, teachers, we, we need you. Maybe you have the desire to help make scriptures accessible so people can understand it. We need you to rise up 
and, and make it clear, bring scripture, help us navigate this in the complex world that we live in on how we can follow Jesus. Now, after looking at this list, which one are you? Write it down in that box if you haven't already. And later, if you want to discover more about your your, your unique role, I encourage you to go to that website there that's fivefoldministry.com and you can explore this and take an assessment to do that. So we're gonna fulfill our role and use that role to equip others. Next, we will use our unique spiritual gifts. We're gonna use our unique spiritual gifts. These are practical and, and tactical gifts that God gives us. And Paul gives a great list in two different places to a church in the, in, in the book of Romans um, and to the church in Corinth in the book of Corinthians. And I, I wanna just read these to you. And I'm gonna give a short description of each. And if one interests you or one you feel like you resonate with, I want you to circle it. And this is what Paul says in the uh, the book of Romans. For just as each of us have one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so we in Christ, though many, form one body, and each member belongs. Everybody say belongs. You belong here. You belong here. You belong to each other. That's a responsibility, and that's a place of beautiful acceptance. I love this. We belong to, together. but We belong to all each other because we're part of the body. And then he says this, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in, in accordance with your faith. And this has been very confused over the years and the century. Let me help you understand what Romans, what he says later in 1 Corinthians, what prophecy is. It's proclamation of God's word. It's proclamation of God's word that strengthens, encourages, and consoles the church. That's what this is. He goes on to say, if it's serving, then to serve. Hey, many of you, you don't have to have a gift of leadership. You're just gonna show up and lead by serving. You have this gift. You're gonna serve in, in other ways outside of the walls of this, this place. Your gift to the church is to serve. And this is a beautiful gift to influence others by leveraging who you are, your power and your resources for the benefit to build up the body of Christ. Thank you for serving. He goes on, if it is teaching, then teach. Those of you that can make deep truths clear, do so. Help us grow in our faith and knowledge and the grace and knowledge of Jesus. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. You need to know that if you have this natural bent to encourage others, you need to do this more than ever. Right now, the church, the people in this culture need more encouragement. We need to live courageously. And encouragers, your voice adds courage to the body of Christ. So encourage one another. And then give, give that encouragement. If it's giving, he says, give generously. Now, we are all called to regularly give to the church and to seek first his kingdom in this way. We, we do this, we practice this by giving first of our money and to the local church on, on Jesus' mission. And we all share this, but some of you have this generosity gift. This generosity gift is you give above and beyond. You give above and beyond what, what we maybe would call the tithe in scripture. See, those that, of us that tithe, what we do is we say, God, we recognize that it all belongs to you. And this is our act of worship to expand your kingdom. And we give to the local church. But some of you give generously, you give above and beyond that. And it's not that you have above and beyond. You just have this generous spirit to give more in proportion. So thankful for you. Because of you, you not only support the local church, but you give to other organizations that are on a kingdom mission as well. Thank you. Give generously. Keep giving generously. If it is to lead, he says, lead diligent. Do, do it diligently. 
Hey, leadership is a gift. While we all serve, and I believe every one of us are leaders, not every one of us have a gift of leadership. Those with the gift of leadership, they can mobilize more people to advance toward the mission of the church and accomplish the mission. We need you with the gift of leadership to rise up and lead. If it's to show mercy, he says, do it cheerfully. These are the people who are moved with compassion to meet those in need. These are all spiritual gifts. And these are practical ways that you can do this. And now there also is a list of spiritual gifts that are supernatural, that the Holy Spirit inspires. And this is in, uh, in 1 Corinthians. This is what 1 Corinthians says, Paul writes. Now to each one of the manifestation of the Spirit, so it's a supernatural gift that the Holy Spirit gives, is given for the, look at this, the common good. This is for the common good of the whole body of Christ. This is how the nature of our good God is present with us. And he goes on, to one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. You can reveal the wise counsel that someone might need in the moment of their life. To others, another message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. You can, you can speak into somebody's life and reveal what's really going on in their world so they know God is alive, listening and cares for them. To another, faith by the same spirit. You know, you're the ones who are gonna be there to help the church get through the hard times, to be, go, have the grit we need to persevere. See, I love what Gary Thomas says. He says, faith isn't the power to get whatever we want. He says, faith is the power to accept whatever we've been given. We need those with the gift of faith to believe for the impossible so we can endure the hard things and see God do the amazing things. For others, uh, the gift of healing by that one spirit. This is why we pray for one another, that we can operate in this. And God, yes, he can heal and he can heal as we believe in him. To another, miraculous powers to another prophecy. We talked about that in the book of Romans. To another distinguishing between spirits. This is a gift to, edif that, to, that, to, to discern what is really going on. And then he says to another speaking in different kinds of tongues. And this has been so confused and conflated. And in this, see, this is a realistic gift that's built to build you up in your own faith as we read in scripture. And then he goes to, until, to, to another, it's the interpretation of tongues. That if you do this in a small group setting or something like this, if that gift of tongues is used, that there's someone there that is required, according to scripture, to give the interpretation in that. And he goes on and finishes this. All of these are, at, are the work of the one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each as just as he determines. You know who gets these gifts and why they get the gifts? It's not because of you, it's because of him. Because he knows you are to use them. He wants you to use them for the body of Christ. This is the gift for the common good of the church. And it's not to be abused. See, we abuse these gifts when we use them for our own purposes. And we use them to the full power when we submit them for his purpose to build and equip the body of Christ. See, your spiritual gift will help you practically fulfill your function in the apest. This is how you're going to fulfill your role is to use these these, these spiritual gifts that you've been given practically and supernaturally. And here's the thing, if you see a gift that you want, this is my encouragement to you. Don't pursue the gift. Never, never, never pursue the gift before pursuing the giver. Never pursue the gift before pursuing the giver. See, we will pursue the giver and he will determine our gifts. We will pursue the giver and he will determine your gifts. Now, if you want to explore what these gifts are, there's a URL and it's incorrect in your notes. You need to put westsideleavenworth.com forward slash shape. 
I ex- encourage you to go to that URL and explore what you might be gifted in and help use this as a way to discover those gifts. Because as you pursue the giver, you're going to see how the Holy Spirit has gifted you to equip the body of Christ. And I just want to remind you, you can't do this without community. You just can't do this. See, this is why being in a Christ-centered community is so important because it's in a Christ-centered community that you're going to grow and, and, and you're going to have, other people are going to help you grow in receiving grace and other people are going to help you grow as you need to be encouraged to submit to Jesus as Lord. See, we need to be in a community, a Christ-centered community that's loving Jesus and we're going to gather together to love one another because Jesus said, you, if you want to love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, mind, soul, and strength, then you've got to love your neighbor as yourself and we have to see that, that Jesus said, if you will love me, you're going to love one another. That as I have loved you, so you must love one another. We take this seriously and we're going to gather together to love one another and that's how we're going to love Jesus. We're going to become like Jesus by navigating scripture so we together can follow Jesus because we're going to grow in our character. He is our Lord and we're going to become more like him as we follow him together. And together we're going to share Jesus by praying with one another. We're going to care for one another. And we're going to be on mission together to bless so the people who are far from God, we can share Jesus with them, share Jesus with the lost, the last, and the least. This is the community that the church needs to be because this is what our culture needs. So one day, generations from now, someone will sit in a row because of you and me. We embraced what we are called for, discipleship. So I'm going to encourage you. If you're not in a group already, the tables, our leaders are going to be making their way right now. They're going to be at a table. And I want to encourage you to find your way to an open table to build a relationship with these leaders. I encourage you to be a part of the, these groups. We have groups that, that are going to be forming. And uh, if you want to get a list of groups, just to, you can do that on your app or at westsideleavenworth.com forward slash groups. So I want to encourage you to find it. If you, hey, if you want to start a group, hey, more power to you. Start a group and just let us know you did. We're going to be starting this group around this series. We're going to empower couples and singles, couples to have greater relationships, specifically a better marriage, and singles that you can build a better network of Christ-centered relationships so you can follow Jesus together. This is what we want to do. We want to come alongside of you to do that. Now, I want to ask you to stand with me before I release you, and I want to pray what Paul prayed. These are his words, and we're just going to join him in this prayer. Will you bow your heads? Father, now to you, who is able to do immeasurably more than all, we could ask or imagine according to your power